welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. Welcome to the Think MHK podcast. My co-host for this segment is Sharla Meisenheimer. Hey, Sharla. Hey, Jason. So, Sharla, you are pretty busy this week, huh? It has never been a dull moment this week, for sure. So, it's our 98th annual meeting. Can you imagine? Yeah, it is annual meeting week, which is always a fun week at the Chamber. It's probably... Our premier event every year, uh, we have several hundred people that show up and, and we give away some pretty impressive awards. Right. So this will be our second time to give the Young Professional of the Year Award out. Um, and then our C. Clyde Jones Volunteer of the Year, which is so special. And C. Clyde is planning on being there as well. Well, that'd be good because we haven't seen him in a while. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. He really was sad they wasn't able to be there last year. So um, and then it's our Citizen of the Year. And that's, of course, named for Lud Fisher. Correct. The uh, former chamber president, one of my predecessors, number number of years ago. And and so uh, the reigning champions on that are uh, Neil Horton is the citizen of the year, reigning citizen of the year. Volunteer of the year is is Lucy Williams, correct? And the young professional of the year was Jeff Sackrider. And so those were the winners last year. Right. And the great part is that we have podcasts with all three of those. So That's if right. you're listening today um, and haven't had the chance to go back and listen to their story, I'd really encourage you to do that. It'll be interesting. We also have the ceremonial changeover of our leadership. Yeah. So we're going to be able to hear both from uh, Mark Bashamp as he talks about um, our successes that we had in 2021. And then we'll have the opportunity to hear from Summer Out Dirks. And Summer is, I believe, is, her, is she our youngest board chair? I think we figured up that she probably was. It was either her or Kristen Brighton, I think, or both real close, but I think I think we figured out Summer was. I think you're right. Summer's going to be able to share with us what her intentions are for the year and, and how she's going to guide us out through 20 and 22. And she's already hard at work. It's very hard at work. Yes. So also for this month, and of course, some people may be listening to this afterwards, but uh, the Women in Business Resolution Rendezvous. Resol- I couldn't remember the name of it. So <laughs> I have not publicly uh, recognized you for our membership record. Oh, so you. we talk a little bit about that. That's a that's quite an accomplishment. Yeah. So you um, kind of set out a charge for us last year in the membership division and as lead and said, you know, we really want to work on our numbers and get people involved. We've got a great programming. We we do great things here and more people need to be a part of that. And so we kind of took that lead from you and um, set out. And so um, in October, we did a, an official three-day formal membership drive. We ended the year with 855 members, which is tied for the most number of members in over 20 years. So we're pretty proud of that. And we actually superseded that for a few days, right? In January. So we'll see how February turns out. But because we do, you know, just like any chamber, we will have ads and drops every month. And so we may go under that number again with the drops, but Samantha is doing a great job. Uh, hitting the streets and adding new members. And so that's exciting. And if anyone's out there listening and knows somebody who is not a member and feels like they should be, or maybe you think they are, maybe you should check on them and see if they are and give us a call. Good advice. Speaking of membership, we have our membership committee chair, Callie Marks. Hey, Callie. Hi, Jason and Sharla. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, good. Thanks for being with us. So Callie, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up with Charleston and Wilson in Manhattan. 
my family moved to Manhattan in 1979 when I was eight, so I grew up here. Uh, when I graduated from high school, my parents, who were both affiliated with K-State, gently asked me to go to school elsewhere and maybe get some additional experiences outside of, of Manhattan. So I did. I went to KU, and when I graduated from KU, I moved back to Manhattan and married my high school sweetheart, Toby. And um, we both um, at that point decided to go to graduate school. So he went to graduate school at K-State. I went to Washburn Law School. Um, when we graduated, we took jobs that necessitated a move to Kansas City. So we moved to Kansas City. We both worked professionally there. I practiced for about 10 years there. At that time, we had had three children, and it became too difficult for us to kind of juggle family life with two demanding careers. So I decided to take a break from my career and stay at home and raise the kids. We had three boys at the time. And during that time, we decided to move back to Manhattan. So we came back to Manhattan and we had our fourth child um, during that time as well. And when she was about three or four years old, she and I were out running some errands. The boys were in school. And we stopped by Community First National Bank to talk with Teresa Miller because we were refinancing our house. And so I was dropping off some loan papers to her and she asked me, so Callie, have you thought about going back to work anytime soon? And I, I really hadn't at that point. Taylor wasn't yet in school, wasn't on my radar yet. And I kind of blathered on around about that for a couple of minutes and then got around to asking Therese why she had asked. And she told me about Charleston and Wilson and her friend Lee Taylor, who was one of the owners of Charleston and Wilson, who was looking for an attorney who had some experience and had a connection to Manhattan. And so I said, well, give her my number. I'd, I'd like to talk with her. So Taylor and I left the bank and went out and sat in the car again. And it was just one of those moments where I knew the trajectory of my life had changed. And although that wasn't my plan was to go back to work right then, it was a wonderful opportunity. And over the next couple of months, I talked with Lee Taylor and Todd Shepard and arranged a, a work schedule where I could work part-time until Taylor got into school. And um, the rest is history, as they say. And it's it's turned out to be one of the greatest opportunities and wonderful blessings in my life. And of course, when I moved to Manhattan, it took me a while to figure out, oh, there's multiple Charleston and Wilsons. Uh, you are with the Bonded Abstracting Company. What exactly is a bonded abstractor? So that's a good question. And that is confusion that a lot of people have, not just you. Even people that have lived here their whole entire lives have that confusion, including me. When I went and started having these conversations with Lee and Todd, I, that was one of the questions I had was, how does this Charleston and Wilson relate to that Charleston and Wilson? To answer your question about the bonded abstractors, let me um, start by telling you what we do at Charleston and Wilson Bonded Abstractors. We're a real estate um, title and closing company, so we do real estate closings for, you know, residential sales and refinances, commercial, ag, and we do all of the real estate title research required to support those transactions as well. So an abstractor in my field is someone who searches the public records in order to determine the quality of title to land. We have five licensed abstractors at Charleston & Wilson. Um, along with many other title examiners who uh, conduct these searches at the Register of Deeds or at District Court, well, both Register of Deeds and District Court, um, as well as other places to 
determine the quality of title and provide a roadmap for the closing office as well as the parties to convey marketable title from one person to another. So when someone talks about a clean and clear title, you're the one who decides whether, I mean, you do the research to determine that. Yes. Very important. So you all have have a long history in the community. Uh, Talk a little bit about that history and then the current operation, including your uh, refurbishment that I think most people have seen along 4th Street. We are so excited about that. The company was started in 1927, actually, by Sam Charlson, who bought the Spillman Abstract Company. He was uh, years later joined by J. Robert Wilson, who became Sam's partner, and that's when uh, the business became known as Charlson and Wilson Bonded Abstractors. Roy Worthington, Todd Shepard, and Lee Taylor all became owners of the company after that. Um, And when Roy retired, Lee and Todd hired me. And then when Lee retired, um, that just left Todd and I, who now own the company. Todd's our president um, currently. But I think it's fascinating that Todd and I are only the fifth and sixth owners of this company that came into existence in 1927. Currently, we have um, two offices in Riley County and one in Pottawatomie County. We have our closing office here in Riley County out on the west side of town on Browning Place. And then we, of course, have our downtown office, which is where we do all the title research um, for Riley County transactions. And then we also have a, an office in Westmoreland, which is where we do our title research for the Pottawatomie County transactions. We have 28 people on staff. Um, most of whom are full-time employees and work in one of those three offices, but we do have some part-time and remote staff as well. And the downtown remodel. So we're super excited about that. That is something that Todd and I have been discussing for uh, well over a year. Um, Well, actually two years, I think, at this point. Um, And we finally got it underway in um, October, very early October, and we're wrapping that up. I think this month we'll just be waiting on the furniture to get delivered in March, and we hope to be moved back in um, by the end of March. So we're very excited. So talk a little bit about your role as the chair of the membership committee. I'm excited to be the chair of the membership committee this year. We have a great and growing committee with smart and engaged people serving on it. Since the chamber, um, as you alluded to, you know, completed this membership drive um, this fall, we've really been focusing our discussion so far on engagement and engaging the existing membership. How do we get all of the members to fully participate with with us in the chamber? Um, How do we engage the membership to a greater degree um, and to a more full degree? The committee wants to hear from as many people as possible about that. We're reaching out in lots of different ways to try to get feedback on those things. The chamber has tons to offer in, you know, networking opportunities and programming and events. And we, our mission is to get the membership to, to fully engage in those things. When did you first begin to get active in the chamber? Why did you yourself decide to get engaged? That, I would say, started in 2014 with Leadership Manhattan. Uh, My former partner, Lee Taylor, uh, nominated me to participate in Leadership Manhattan, encouraged me to do that. And I did and was a part of that class. And I so enjoyed that experience. I learned a lot. And I I met and listened to a lot of really remarkable, smart, inspiring people. 
And so that's um, that's really what started it. I when that leadership Manhattan class time kind of came to an end, I, I wasn't done with it. I wanted to stay involved, and so I served on the leadership Manhattan board for six years. Um, and that was really the start of my engagement that led to um, my service on the membership committee. You were actually, you and Andy Ellis were very instrumental with the Leadership Manhattan Board to be able to bring in um, all the curriculum back in-house. So that was kind of a charge that the two of you led together so um, that all the curriculum is now currently decided with the board. Yeah, and that was really an exciting time. And um, I would say we did that with with lots of help from other people. You included in that, Sharla, lots of help from you, lots of help from the board lots of help from from other people so kelly and i have a funny leadership in hand story it's topeka time like we go every year it's bad weather we told the class if you don't want to drive that's not a problem but we're going to move forward so kelly and i drive up we have dinner brought to the hotel life is great and uh, we're all doing well dick carter comes and joins us for dinner and uh, we say our good nights so we go up to our room and get the phone call that says the state of kansas has now closed <laughs> we're like oh now what do we do with these 20 people that are now part of leadership Manhattan? So um, that's when we decided, I think, that we would always have a backup plan, I think. And that's also when you and I both realized that the Capitol does not necessarily close just because the state of Kansas closes. So, Thank God for that. Yes, um, because we did go to the Capitol the next day, but um, that was a oh my goodness moment that we had together. It was, and I so distinctly remember when we were sitting there getting that news, you said to me, what are we going to do? And I like kind of flippantly said, I don't know. And you said, no, I mean, what are we going to do with all these people tomorrow? (laughs) (laughs) I know, because we were like, okay, well, we can't send them back home. If we try to do, you know, what kind of programming can we get in? Or maybe we also come and do some speaking, and that was way before Zoom, so. Oh, and remember we took that bus? Yes. So we took the bus, and I was so worried about everybody putting on their seatbelts because the roads were bad. Well, Did we mention life, that Callie's a mom? Yeah, life <laughs> life of a chamber exec. It's never dull. Okay, so talk a little bit about your experiences as a chamber member yourself. Well, I've, I've met a lot of really incredible people and have uh, been blessed to be able to learn from them and um, establish relationships with them. I've interacted with people that I never would have had the opportunity to interact with otherwise. It's forced me out of my comfort zone at times, I'll be honest. I'm not an extrovert like you, Sharla. But I think one of the things I learned in, in Leadership Manhattan, though, is that in order to grow, you have to force yourself out of your comfort zone. That growth does not happen in our comfort zones. Um, so, you know, I think the best part of my participation with the chamber has been the people, hands down, just meeting and interacting with the people. And I just would encourage everyone to participate and they would not be sorry. What made you decide to accept to be the chair of the membership committee? Well, I had served on the membership committee for a couple of years and I had had a lunch with, with uh, Summer where she had had kind of been um, asking me if I was interested in serving on the chamber board. And I was kind of in the process of thinking over whether I had the time and the ability and the passion to do that. And then you came to me that one day and asked if I would be willing to chair the membership committee. And do you remember what I asked you? No. So I, I asked you, do you think I'm the right person to do that? And you said, yes. And you said it so emphatically, I think you convinced me. 
And so I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm kind of a believer in if the phone rings, answer it. Not all the time. I mean, we have to set parameters and sometimes you you can't always say yes. But um, I just felt like after that lunch with Summer and after that conversation I had with you that, you know, that was something that I ought to do. And I was excited to do it and excited to become more involved and meet more people. And I'm passionate about the chamber and my experience with it. So, And we're glad you accepted. I always say when the phone rings, you have to answer to see who it is. But with uh, today's technology, you really don't have to do that anymore. So you can you can look at the phone and see it. But we are glad you answered Charlotte's call, and we appreciate that. So why is the chamber important to the average business owner? Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, I feel like, but um, our greatest asset is each other. And the chamber is made up of small business owners and large business people and solo practitioners and entrepreneurs and not-for-profits and organizations. And there's such a collective diversity and experience there that we can draw from as members. There's truly something for everyone there. I just think that being able to tap into that experience and that wisdom all in one place is pretty great. And what are some things about the chamber that a lot of people might not know? That it's fun. That's what I would say. Before I was a part of the chamber, in my mind, I would have thought of the chamber as, you know, a bunch of people in very straight-laced in business suits, being very serious, talking about very serious business things. And all those things happen. But it's really fun. People are really engaged. And there are business suits, and I'm frequently in one, but people are not stuffy. Um, They're easy to talk to. They're fun to talk to. It's always interesting to me, and I've been in the chamber business now for over two decades. The chamber, I think most people see the chamber as a faceless organization made up of whatever in their mind they're envisioning. And the Chamber of Commerce is just people, right? It's just different people who have the same thoughts and beliefs that other people do and and come together for a common cause, which in our case is uh, business success and growth in the community. And and so we're very passionate about those things. But you're right, we do have fun and, and uh, with our volunteers. And of course, we have fun, I think, as a staff. And we enjoy working on your behalf. So that's good. If you had one thing you wanted the public to know about the chamber, what would that be? Well, I'm going to take the liberty to make this two things, if that's all right. Perfect. One, I want everyone to know that the chamber is for everyone. Um, The chamber has a lot to offer the business community. And all you have to do is participate to take advantage of those things. And the second thing I want people to know is that um, I would love for them to contact me if they have any thoughts on engagement, increasing engagement of our membership, or if there are members out there who haven't engaged um, for specific reasons or things that they'd like to talk over or or members who would engage more um, under certain scenarios. So I would love to just invite anybody who has any thoughts on that to get in touch with me, give me a call, send me an email. I'd love to hear them. Callie, thank you so much for not just joining us today, but agreeing to be uh, the chair of the membership committee. That's a big commitment, uh, both in terms of what you have to do in that committee and then also serving on the board of directors. So we appreciate your leadership. Thank you for joining us on Think MHK today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, 
or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.